Namaste. As part of uh, introduction to Sri Aurobindo's writings, we take up today collected works of Sri Aurobindo, volume ten and eleven. Uh, a word about this writing, which is titled as Records of Yoga. This writing was found later on in, as part of Sri Aurobindo's notes, and its publication was neither approved by Sri Aurobindo nor by the mother. So it was found, and at some point, it was decided to publish it for whatever reasons. But it's a fascinating document at one level. But um, like all, um, you know, <laughs> fascinating documents, one one should be very cautious in approaching it. The reason is that these uh, diary notes were Shurbindo's private notes meant for his own yoga journey. They are wonderful. They show us in detail how Shurbindo followed the yoga with such meticulousness as of, you know, much more than what the most modern scientist would ever follow. Because uh, when it comes to psychological field and spiritual field, we are our own scientists. It's not like uh, we are our own scientists and we are our own laboratory. It's not like the standard method that you know pick up ten people. Well, ten people you will you may find nothing because spiritual evolution is yet not really begun. We have glimpses here and there. So because Shivendra was initiating the whole process, so he started observing meticulously every step of the journey, and he wrote it. But these notings were not uh, meant for public consumption only in the sense that. people would not be able to make much sense out of it for instance trikal drishti is several times mentioned as t3 but that apart what will we understand he is speaking in trikal drishti of so many visions images uh, and some people when they read it they feel this is the path we have to follow what we have to follow has been given to us Uh, in in a number of volumes and secondly after 1926 the whole thing changed so let me put it in context when shurbindo came here to pondicherry he speaks um, in one of the letters to barin that the limbs of the yoga were revealed to him by the world master and so there was a program of yoga given to him now this program there are some elements which are common to all of us who practice the yoga but we must understand that the program of the pathfinder is very different from the program of the one who walks on the path so let me illustrate that you know you are in a jungle and you have to build a road so obviously it's a herculean effort the jungle is full of all kinds of creatures the jungle is you know uninhabitable you have to lay down the road make it safe full proof everything make sure that the roads do not break down like many of the you know municipality dug roads all this you have to do wiring light lamps everything has to be done what is our part of the effort once the path is made to walk on the road that is also an effort <laughs> so so shurbindo was given this program because he is the path finder and interestingly if we look at these records from 1909 to 1912 you will see some infrequent records they are more like notes he has observed something and he writes a note and from 1912 to 1920 we see consistently there is a writing which goes on till 1920 october and from 1920 october till 1926 there is no writing either there is no writing or they have been burnt away because there are number of things which shobindo obviously did not want so many things about the future he has foreseen so many challenges so he had um, you know given it to fire now there is an interesting narration about it ab purani speaks about some of the notes which were discovered later 1927 again we see some writings 1927 after that from 1926 december after the siddhi day till 1927 april a few months there are again records after which the records were you know abandoned why because 
at one level the siddhi was fulfilled we know the siddhi day and then subsequently the mother took over the yoga changed entirely so in this entire yoga you won't find reference to you know open to the mother give yourself to her but after 1926 the first document that came is the mother that the mother contains the kernel of all these thing that should have been the hestride he made it so easy for man so we must understand records of yoga okay it may interest some people uh, some academic people try to take interest in it i am not sure how much they can make out of all this and some people you know just for the sake of okay 1910 the program that was given or 1913 what was it sapta chatushta things like that but for the practice of yoga records on yoga of yoga are not the book for practice for practice shurbinder has given the synthesis of yoga and subsequently letters on yoga there is the mother and above all savitri with this proviso should be there because very often one sees people picking up records of yoga and because there is sapt chatusht given there people begin to read it and begin the practice of course there are many things there which sound very simple but the essence is already there in the synthesis and we'll see how so this program which was given to shirbindo was given sometime probably even before he came but he has written it down in 1913 so we must also understand that there are many things which he has experienced which he has not written or probably they have been written but they have he has not wanted it to be published so one story i remember that's a very personal account of it um someone who has worked in the archives for a very long time well rangada so <laughs> he was telling me that uh, you know There were some notes. Shurbindo had foreseen all things about the future of the ashram, world, everything. So, but he didn't want anybody to read it. So, for a long time, it was lying in his room. Then Nalida kept it. It was like a treasure, rarest treasure. And Nalida later on handed it over to Jugalda, and he told him that don't read it, because that was the word which went down. So he was sharing an incident that. Jugal da couldn't resist, so he just read one page of it, and that was enough to blow his mind away. So I asked Nagada, didn't you ask him? They were pretty close. He said, I asked him. I asked him several times. Tell me a little bit of that. And he said, even if you punch in my belly to the extent that I vomit, I will not tell you a word. So what he had foreseen. all about the world but it's enough to show that uh, when shurbindo writes not like a mystic who is just you know describing a path very systematically methodically he had gone through all these things and with such perfection for instance he has the trakal drishti and he sees an event in the future for instance he sees that one gupta is dead and then he says well when the lipi came he was actually already dead but it came as if it's in the future or somebody has to come he sees a person who is going to come and when the person comes the physical features are slightly different from what he has seen so to that extent perfection timing he was meticulously the crow a crow at this point of time at there he will come so he comes but the timing is a few minutes here and there so one thing we see from the records is that consistent with the age like a thorough going spiritual scientist he was documenting things not for posterity to read and analyze it but for his own because it's the need of the age he himself as he said he was an there was an agnostic inside him and so he didn't want to he wanted the perfect perfection not to leave anything which is you know subject to even the slightest error and that's why when dilip kumar roy later on you know after all great disciples how are you so sure is there anything like yoga force he says uh, had we not been experimenting it hundreds and thousands of times and objectively seeing its effects we would not be in a position to tell you that yes there is something like as yoga force then he asked that but uh, does it act in everyone so he says that well there is a thing called as agni shakti but it doesn't burn everything <laughs> so he gives very logical example there are conditions to be fulfilled by those who are receiving it so this way we see the records of yoga
is a massive document but primarily 1912 to 1920 and then with the coming of the mother october 1920 it stops why because mother has already come in april but november 1920 the mother shifted into the house which today we call as you know shimnisi shifted from the place where she was staying so not into ashram house but i think it was raghavan house or the guest house one of the houses she shifted there so after that the entire yoga has taken a new turn altogether some people are curious to find did he write something on 30th march did he write something on 24th april no certain things are too profound to be written he has mentioned passingly about the coming of ars and there he speaks about that he believes that you know desire has created this world and uh, we know in mother's own conversations that that was his belief that desire has made the world and he would try to argue with shirbindo and shirbindo would just say it's not desire but delight which has made this world so there are notings like that but always it's important to understand with entire shirbindo's writings that shirbindo is not confined to his writings that's what he reminds us in synthesis of yoga shabd brahmati vartate so just because one doesn't find something doesn't mean that what he would have experienced because in the diary it's not written but when barinda asked shirbindo what did you experience when you saw mother for the first time so he said she is born free one of the first things he no told him she is born free <laughs> she she is not bound by anything so this is the background and then we see that this uh, book is divided into five parts and the first is the program that was given to shirobindo sapt chatushtya so basically it's the seven elements and each of them having four aspects now some places there are five aspects but in general scheme he has written as sapt chatusht and there are two orders in which it has been mentioned in the book one is the order in which it is written and the second we'll see as a revised order but as i said this more for academic interest the order that we have to follow is given in the synthesis uh, we'll read a little bit from here then we see the diary entries and the record of yoga which runs right up to part 2 part part 2 and part 3 and then there is part 4 which is again undated writings which are largely connected with um, his own experiences now how was he writing these records and subsequent writings shubindo described there were four ways in which he was receiving it so one was lippi so lippi is subtle writing in the etheric record so he would see some of these mantras richas actually appearing in the subtle ether like the rishis of old so there were the lippis then there was script script was something which was being transmitted and he would write it that was script then there are sortilege sortilegees are books which he has books or you know some other writing which has appeared or he has found it but it has revealed itself in a completely new light so those are those are the sortilegees for instance at one place he writes about um, you know the hiranyakashipu story and prahlad avatar he doesn't write as a story but he passingly has an image in he understands what that purana story really indicates and the fourth is vani where he is actually hearing the uh, voice of god then um, there are automatic writings in automatic writings uh, automatic writings actually started from 1905 onwards more as an amusement and just to see what possibilities there are uh, especially because barin used to be engaging in those writings and um, he would sit and just hold the pen and then the writing would start automatic writings are different from script script is something which is coming from a high source not necessarily the highest but from a high source automatic writings are writings where a disembodied spirit would come and start using the pen of the person i'm not sure whether somebody has practiced it or not i just remember trying it once in 11th standard and again in mbbs it is a very fascinating phenomena but Shobindo clearly later on said many times the subconscious of the person 
which can take hold, subliminal things which can take hold. So it's not always a disembodied spirit which comes. It is something which uh, can come from various sources. For instance, uh, uh, even Shubhindu's encounter with Swami Vivekananda in the Alipur jail. So it is uh, presented as Swami Vivekananda came and you know he spoke what he had to said based on some statements of Shubhindu. Now in evening talks when it was asked to him, he said it was some mental portion of Swami Vivekananda, which begins to change things a little bit. So, with Shurvindo, one has to see things in totality. So, automatic writings had started there. Some of these were picked up as an evidence in the, you know, Alipur case. And uh, they are very fascinating because uh, very interesting people would come and they would, beings would come and they would tell him about uh, different, different, like for Gandhi, uh, who is he and for uh, Bal Gangadhar Tilak, who is he and many other aspects, you know, they will come and reveal. One piece of automatic writing which has uh, which turned out into a whole book is Yogic Sadhan. So this was where Raja Ramohan Roy used to constantly appear before him. And it seems it is he who was behind this writing and used the pen to write this book called Yogic Sadhan. It was published with Shurabindo's permission. And for quite some time, it was even used by some of the early disciples. Later on, Shubhindu said he had gone far beyond and it's it's no more. So some of these writings, Shubhindu himself said, for instance, Yogic Sadhan, he himself said that it is now something of the past and it's not something he wants his disciples to follow. But still, it's a fascinating piece of writing. And then you have material from disciples' notebooks. There is also... Uh, very interestingly, a page where Shubhindo writes about some of the disciples whose past lives he has seen. And uh, <laughs> uh, two of them I remember which was very interesting, fascinating. One was Dilip Kumar Roy. So, one, uh, three in fact. Dilip Kumar Roy, one wonders why Shubhindo was so much close to him. There must be many reasons which are beyond human comprehension. But one of them was that he was Hector during the Trojan War. And in that war, Shubhindu was Paris. So you can imagine, you know, Hector had tried to shield Paris. In fact, gave his life. So when Dilip Kumar Roy came to know about it, he was not happy that actually he had dragged him all, all around <laughs> seven times. Then for Durai Swami Ayer, Shubhindu said, King Janak as well as um, one of the King Janak, he has not specified there because Janak is a lineage. So King Janak as well as Chandragupta Maurya. Then for Pavitrida, that's very fascinating. Aspects of Christ and Ramakrishna. So these are some of those, you know, about 10-11 disciples he wrote. Later on, all this was stopped. At one point of time, Shubhindo would speak about these beings entering into the some of the disciples, even the descent of the gods. But then the mother found that people tend to romanticize. They start living in the past. That, you know... I am so and so, I was so and so. And therefore, the focus gets changed because now we are going to move toward the future. It doesn't matter what one was. Then in this book, there are also some kind of future predictions, but not, please don't look at like, you know, Nostradamus type of predictions. <laughs> Shobindo has deliberately not done that. He was asked that, uh, why don't you fix a date? He said, no, I don't want to fix a date. You don't know? He said, I know. Why you don't want to fix? He said, the moment I fix it, speak about it, then it becomes an open secret. And all the hostile forces will start attacking it. So even in the records of yoga, one of the reasons why he was writing was to crystallize certain things. On the other hand, many things were held back. My own surmise is that some of the most important things which he had foreseen, he held it back. So that much for the entire book. Uh, as I said, it has more than the records. There are other aspects also, like automatic writing. But it's titled as Record of Yoga, uh, primarily because of its, um, I think, major bulk is that. So now we'll read a few passages from Sapta Chatushya. And we'll see that there are many... There is, for instance, the first Chatushti is Santi Chatushti. in all his writings, he speaks about first thing to be established in the yogin is Samta. 
नो योगा विदाउट समता इन गीता एस एज ऑन द गीता ही डेडिकेट्स ए लार्ज अमाउंट ऑफ नंबर ऑफ पेजेस ऑन समता प्रैक्टिस एंड इन सिंथिस ऑफ योगा इफ देर इज एनीथिंग रिटर्न मैक्सिमम इट इज समता एंड समता मीन्स इन टू थिंग्स वन इज पैसिव समता वेयर ऑल द कॉन्टैक्ट ऑफ द वर्ल्ड ऑल द इम्पैक्ट ऑफ द वर्ल्ड वन इज एबल टू टेक without breaking down so one should have nerves of steel so i recommend to put it like that because if we are not able to take the impacts of the world how are we going to take the impact of the supramental mahashakti we can't even imagine when mother was asked about supramental mahashakti descending into the aadhar said my child like a little point you are dancing around the ego and can you even imagine if it enters into the system what wideness and plasticity is required so before that a fundamental practice is samta so passive samta is ability to receive the impacts of the world dynamic samta is you have to act now the moment you act there will be a choice receiving everything with an equal mind is fine but when we act we have to make a choice between this or that so that aspect is called as dynamic samta or the active samta so the very first entry with shanti chatushtyan where he speaks about four aspects of shanti perfection of shanti samata shanti hi sukham hasyam iti shanti chatushtyam that's how he writes most of them so it's not just about peace peace becomes a basis samata there is also the hasyam and there is the sukham the the happiness that flows when the heart is at peace and the laughter of the gods samata the basis of internal peace is samata the capacity of receiving with a calm and equal mind all the attacks and appearances of outward things with a pleasant or unpleasant so that's why i keep telling everybody see india is a yog bhumi all other places are bhog bhumi so <laughs> in india you are you have no choice but to practice yoga you will uh, and it's perfectly suited you have all the ingredients inner ingredients i mean it's a grace that we drink surrender faith with a mother's milk <laughs> nobody is there to teach us otherwise you go to the western sphere i have had this experience people want to understand what is faith and what is surrender how do you tell about faith we just grow into it and um, then at the same time inwardly such a rich civilization then outwardly you have so many challenges is nowhere else so unless we practice samta <laughs> and not only samta we laugh we are happy we take all this and in the ashram context of course you will get plenty of opportunity to practice samta once <laughs> once niruddha asked shurbindo with some kind of bit of complaint uh, this that probably he had a little running nose and you know fever so he said well um in this is a fundamental practice of yoga is equanimity i have done my bit in the early days of sadhana uh, graduated ma now your turn please <laughs> i have to go through it the capacity of receiving all the attacks and appearances of outward things whether pleasant or unpleasant ill fortune or good fortune don't expect that yoga is now you know i am enrolled into the book of the elite so now of course they don't want us to be unhappy to start with let's be very clear the divine wants us to be happy walk the sunlit path at one place mother says my child don't have this impression that the divine wants you to be unhappy certainly not yet unhappiness comes in the way the world is constituted you i mean divine does not want you to be unhappy but there are so many little uh, you know doors which are open to the adversary who will attack us nothing just a attack of normal flu and with the covid whole thing going around you suddenly feel you are next you know your death warrant has come so even when you don't so we have to practice these things this is the fundamental practice of sadhana so first practice ill fortune or good fortune and we know shobindo ji in early years when he writes to mrilalni devi what does he write he says you know very often in this world good comes out of evil he brings good out of evil pleasure and pain 
we want only things which are very pleasant and as an extension we want people to be around who are very nice to us oh sir you are great you are something wonderful <laughs> all the mystics say something else nindak niare rakhiye you know even people who criticize you they help us to grow into that unfortunately they have taken this burden <laughs> honor and ill repute is something which mystics have spoken about ill fortune and honor and ill repute praise and blame friendship and enmity sinner and saint or physically heat and cold etc there are two forms of samata pass passive and active so then he speaks of what is the way to arrive at it all this is there in synthesis so people who have not read synthesis they will oh we have got a practice exactly verbatim but i mean not exactly verbatim this way but the practice we'll speak about in fact in synthesis he takes it to another level deeper here we'll see that he speaks about three ways in synthesis he takes it still deeper he says these are still on the way to equality this is not perfection of equality so he speaks of titiksha titiksha is the ability to bear all contacts without being overpowered so there will be things which are painful there will be things which are pleasant they will come touch us on the surface even 1912 shrivindra says an attack of dukham they will come but you are not allowed to be overwhelmed and say oh now you know i'll sit in a sack of uh, <laughs> blues you are not allowed that calmly and firmly to receive both and hold and bear them as one who is stronger greater vaster than any attack of the world is the attitude of titiksha so it's done with a sense of strength in the vital the kshatriya has this capacity and the philosophical type is udasinta it is indifference to dwanda this how life is there will be some things which are good some things which are evil they come your way ill fortune good fortune so is the philosopher's approach and then there is nati is the approach of the heart nati is submission to the will of god so here he says nati is the submission of the soul to the will of god its acceptance of all touches as his touches of all experience as his play with the soul of man now the problem here is many people say oh straight away people want to jump to post graduation while one is in kindergarten oh this uh, how can we say everything is the will of god he is not saying that everything is the direct expression of the will of god he is saying to start with learn to take it then when you graduate you will understand how the will operates how there is a wisdom behind everything how the play takes place how there is hostile forces adverse forces good forces how they all ultimately serve the great grand plan of evolution that's later on but to start with to learn to accept with this state of nati and he says something very beautiful nati may be with titiksha feeling the sorrow but accepting is that god's will or with udasinta rising superior to it and regarding joy and sorrow equally as god's working or with ananda receiving everything as the play of krishna and therefore in itself delightful and this is the state of the complete yogin just if somebody can practice sometime this way is a yogin that's that's why in patanjali's yoga sutra is a samatva yogi uchchate if you can practice samta even shri krishna says in the gita if you practice samta you are a yogin not that put a batch that's the greatest disgrace of fall from samta henceforth i am a yogin <laughs> but samata is the sign even in the gita when shri krishna shri arvind writes so beautifully when arjuna asks shri krishna what is the sign by which i can know that the man is realized he is in a state of sthit pragya and shobindu writes shri krishna does not give any outward sign the sign is inner it is the equanimity to all the contacts of the world not to rush leap at appearances so that is how it it you know then there is active samta what is the active samta it is this universal or some ananda in all experiences which constitutes active samata and it has three parts or stages so here it is the rasa which is there behind everything whether you are engaging in battle it's not like when i am sitting alone in meditation i am practicing samata in every day affair of the life 
if we read the records it's surprising that every aspect of human life literally every aspect has been touched by the yoga force to change it which includes trivial things like food and elimination of food even that how the yoga force works in all these this is the least detail how what is yoga force to do with your regular let's say a bowel movement but even there he because there is nothing which is regarded as trivial everything can become a you know can become touched by the spirit so this is about the rasa then there is the three aspects of shanti shanti is uh, here he speaks about maybe either a vast passive calm or a vast joyous calm based on nati then there is sukha sukham is the complete relief and release from dukha from vishad which comes by the fulfillment of samatha and shanti the perfected yogin has never in himself any touch of sorrow any tendency of depression cloud or internal repining and weariness but is always full of a satvik light and ease hasya it is again an active sight and this is about a state of gladfulness and cheerfulness its perfection is god's stamp and seal on the siddhi of the samta hasyam so the ability to laugh and how would the mother put it she would say the ability to laugh at life in all circumstances this is the perfection at one place she is asked what do we do when adverse forces attack us she says laugh at the adversary to champaklal ji says champaklal smile smile in all conditions smile at happiness smile at sorrow in all conditions learn to smile at another place he says to smile is to disarm the adversary completely try it if somebody is trying to be very critical of you and trying to you know of course another thing take if there is a truth behind it and learn the lesson but if you know somebody is really trying to trouble you then the best response is smile after some time he will be so confused because what he wants is to trouble you and if he doesn't see you trouble just see you smile after some time he will initially will try to raise the decibel of <laughs> but eventually leave you because his work is not fulfilled he, he knows that yahan hamari dal nahi galegi so when there is this perfection of samta then what happens it is in our internal being the image of the smile of shri krishna playing balvat as the eternal balaka and kumara in the garden of the world so this becomes our second childhood and second adolescence <laughs> balaka and kumara shri krishna is playing and smiling at the world then of course there is shakti chatushta where you have veer uh, bhav and brahmatejas gyan prakash so all this i you know as i said it's a long subject but i want to read one aspect here even he speaks about different kinds of brahma shakti kshatriya shakti shudra shakti so i'll just read this what is the shudra shakti people often speak about shudra and try to put it kyo indian thought casteism and you know shudra was regarded as relegated what shudra was initially that's what we'll read here shudra shakti what are the shudra shakti kamaha premaha dasya lipsa atma samarpanam is shudra shakti and then describes the shudra is god descending entirely into the lower world and its nature i suspect the word comes from shudra even in the smallest details of life he becomes the god of lower less you know the least important thing seemingly but then what he writes giving himself up entirely for the working out of god's leela in matter and in the material world so if you really look at the shudra shakti is created from the extreme descent of the divine in matter behind it is the prema that's why it is called as prema shakti because this is the ultimate of prem to descend completely into the darkness of material world from this standpoint he is the greatest of the four shaktis because his nature goes direct towards complete atma samarpanam that's where the shudra stands he is the path you know the feet of the lord if we look at the purushukta but the shudra bound has cut himself off from knowledge power and skill and lost himself in the tamoguna he has to recover 
the brahmana kshatriya and vaishya in himself and give them up to the service of god of man of all beings so that's how when the shudra recovered these things then he has the true atmasamarpan the principle of kamaha or desire in him must change from the seeking after physical well being and self indulgence to the joy of god manifest in matter the principle of prema must find itself and fulfill itself in dasilipsa and atmasamarpan in the surrender of himself to god and to god in man people often ask uh, the shudra is the master spirit of the kali as is the vaishya of the dwapara the kshatriya of the trita and the brahmana of the satya so people often ask you know they don't understand uh, what it means to serve the divine frankly the urge to serve the divine comes at the end when see one may serve but not with this aspiration to serve the divine now we must distinguish between the two <laughs> we may work apparently you know in a center or uh, ashram or any place but the urge to serve the divine comes when the uh, shakti has entered right into the matter into the very physical consciousness then it comes and this there even in savitri when shivindu describes as the centers open one by one selfless service of god and of god in man this the then there is deha shakti what is deha shakti mahatva bodho balaslaga laguta dharana samarthyam you see if we look at the uh, human body many times some people they are very restless they just can't sit quiet so what is the remedy eat shurbit <laughs> very simple Read Shabindu, read Savitri. You will see that spontaneously the quietude begins to come. Then all these prana shakti, chitta shakti, buddhi shakti, chandi bhav. Chandi bhav is the force of kali manifest in the temperament. And finally, he speaks about shadha as the shadha is necessary in two things: shaktiam bhagavati cha iti shadha. Shadhai describes as the ultimate uh, perfection of Shakti. Shadhai itself indicates that you are fully conscious that the Divine Mother is with you. You can't have Shadhai without that. There is somewhere this awareness. So a person with Shadhai is free of all fear. Why? Because he knows that the ultimate Shakti is within. You see, faith implies that whether we take it as within us or you know as the Divine Mother, it's implicit within that. So he says there must be faith in the love and wisdom of God, fulfilling Himself through us, fulfilling the yoga siddhi, fulfilling our life work, working out all for our good, even when it is apparently veiled in evil. People who are, you know, too intellectual, this is the problem. Buddhi chivi, they try to. No, this is good, this is not good. But a person with absolute faith knows that whatever is happening. whatever be the appearance ultimately good will come out of it and this is called in synthesis of yoga is kalyan shraddha and shubindu insist on it again and again kalyan shraddha kalyan shraddha is that whatever may happen whatever may be the appearances in savitri puts it whatever be the appearance we must bear when nothing we can see but drift and veil a mighty guidance leads us still through all so this is shraddha fulfilling our life work working out all for our good and there must be faith in the power of the shakti manifested by him with a capital h in this adhara to sustain work out and fulfill the divine knowledge power and joy in the yoga and in the life so often people ask this question am i fit for yoga well if you rely on your own efforts nobody is fit for yoga <laughs> He'll be one odd person here or there, probably I don't know. But Shirovinda said nobody for integral yoga. That is his words. Even the strongest and the greatest are not fit for this yoga by their own effort. No way. But if you learn to depend on the mother, she can pick up a blade of grass. That's how I understand that story, where um, you know when in Ramayana, uh, this this fellow Indra's younger brother Jayant, he comes to peck. Mata Sita's feet. He is also deluded. What is this God? What God are they? And there is a long story behind it. But that apart, the moment he pecks at the feet of Mata Sita, 
What does Ram do? Nothing. He picks up a kusha because he has come like a crow. So he picks up a kusha, a blade of grass, and he throws it at the crow. This blade of grass is deadlier than Brahmastra. <laughs> he thinks just a blade of grass. Oh, he thinks so much of himself. It chases him through all the three worlds. And he goes here, there, everywhere. And finally, he goes, Maheshwar, he says, look, you are a fool. The person with a blade of grass can make you go all around. Don't you think by coming and surrendering to him, you are going to find the answer? So he realizes his folly and comes back and surrenders. So this is the power of Shraddha, that it is not by our own efforts, but by the Divine Mother's power that the yoga can be done. So therefore, what we have to do is to open more and more to her. Repeatedly, Shrivinda reminds us. And this is the logic. Because people often ask, Oh, this is just open to her. Become receptive. Call her name. Well, this is the logic behind it. The logic that Jayanth did not understand. And the logic that <laughs> intellectuals don't understand. How can it be so simple? No, it is the only way. Not even simple. Try doing the other way. So when she speaks about the supramental force acting upon creation, she says... The first to respond will be those with a psychic feeling. And then she described different kinds. And the last, the most difficult people will be those intellectual people who have worked upon themselves. But then he says, yes, if they develop the faith, then they go much ahead. Because you know, the faith has come, so it, will, it makes a very good material. Without Shraddha, there is no Shakti. Imperfect Shraddha means imperfect Shakti. Imperfection may be either in the force of the faith or in its illumination. It is sufficient at first to have full force of the faith. For we cannot from the beginning of the yoga have full illumination. So at least we must have faith. That's why Shubhinda says even a blind faith is better than no faith. So blind faith is something which, which doesn't understand the workings of God. But it is faith that you know one will go through. But then the illumination comes and one understands the entire sequence, the wisdom that is operating through whatever is happening in one's life. Then, however we err and stumble, our force of faith will sustain us. When we cannot see, we shall know that God withholds the light, imposing on us error as a step towards knowledge. Who can write like this? Shubhinda himself is justifying all our follies. He says, God withholds his light and hence we have error. Our errors are his steps upon the way. And that's what he writes in his aphorism. This ultimate Vedanta. He says that one may wonder, one may even blame oneself, curse oneself, but it's not true. He has withheld the light because he wants us to move through that door towards knowledge. It, it's, he's not saying that therefore commit blunders in life because that's the royal road. He's not saying that. He says, but there are occasions, there are moments when he uses everything. Imposing on us error as a step towards knowledge just as he imposes on us defeat as a step towards victory. And then there is Siddhi Chatust. So he speaks about Siddhis. Now in Siddhis, much is spoken about Siddhis and people normally... Here he is using the word Siddhi not in the terms of the ultimate perfection, but these powers. So Shirobindu is an amazing combination of Vedantin and Tantric of the highest order. The Vedantic illumination which reconciles earth and heaven and beyond is there in his writing. So the difference is Vedantin is looking at this entire range, panorama, with the eye that reconciles God everywhere. But the Shakt, Shakt wants to understand every bit of process and see in there the working of God. So there is a very interesting story about Dilip Kumar Roy. He, you know, he he came to Shirobindo and he wanted, um, you know, initiation. And Shirobindo would keep quiet. At one point, he just told him casually that you know uh, there is too much of you know intellectual this thing in you. So, but he didn't say openly that he has initiated or not initiated. So Dilip Kumar Roy goes to one of the yogis because he says, I must take initiation now. And this yogi comes and tells him, okay, you sit quiet. He says, I don't know how to sit quiet. Don't worry, you sit quiet part, I'll do it. So he makes him sit. And suddenly this yogi tells him, 
why you are fooling me so he comes out and says what am i fooling you you are already initiated by the master of masters and you are coming to me for initiation so he said what do you mean by that he said are shurbindo he is sitting on the mountain of every possible siddhi you can imagine and you are coming to me for initiation he said but how do you know he said he is standing behind uh, you he told me so so then he said but he didn't tell me so he said he, then the yogi you know for a moment he became quiet then he said do you have a hernia he said yes he said that's why you get it operated because under the pressure of the yoga this may burst it's such a tremendous pressure so after that you go back so he asked shrivindo that why didn't you tell me straight away is it because you love to go like to go you know all these excursions <laughs> he knows ultimately he belongs to him he is bound to come so that kind of shakti samarth where sitting in one room he was conducting the entire world war this is after shri krishna the first example or rather i would say shri krishna and shurbindo and if you want to put it remotely agastrishi to an extent no other example in the world of this kind of shakti samarth and uh, of course we know that both of them were connected with shurbindo so he says that there are people who renounce uh, siddhis and powers because they feel uh, that you know they may take one away from the yoga because they are a big uh, um, they can be a big allurement to the ego now shurbindo says very interestingly number 1 these powers are not miraculous but powers of nature which manifest themselves as soon as the vigyan padma in us begins to open and are no more a cause for bragging and vanity than the power of eating and breathing or anything else that is nature's so he says don't think that you have the shakti shakti has you <laughs> these things are coming naturally like a faculty of writing or a capacity for anything number 2 that they can manifest fully only when we leave ego and offer up our petty separate being in the vastness of god's being to say that oh i am going to heal by some kind of miraculous healing it will never become perfect three that you see that's the beauty olden time doctors how they worked they did not claim miracle healing and all that but these doctors what did they say i will give you medicine god will cure because they didn't have any medicines to give and people got cured now i am going to cure you god i don't know whether he exists or not maybe he does then he will quote you all the theories get you into discussion so that is the way to really act number 3 when they manifest in the unpurified state they are a dangerous ordeal to which god subjects us and we can only pass through it safely by keeping our minds clear of vanity pride selfishness and by remembering continually that they are his gifts and not our requirements and number 4 that these powers are not to be pursued for their own sake but developed or allowed to develop as part of the flower of divine perfection which is by god's grace blossoming out in us so they come to a person on this path they are necessary when you meet with the world how are you going to meet with the world with knowledge but no power that's what in the end death tells savitri that you know knowledge is with you that now i know but do you have the power because till now he is taking her on the ground of vedanta she says do you have the power and if so reveal itself to me so that i can worship you so in this perfection he says there are four aspects of vigyan chatushtya gyanam trikal drishti ashta siddhi samadhir samadhi in vigyan chatushtyam so we know that you know ashta siddhis are those lagima anima garima mahima vyapti etc which uh, you know are traditionally regarded as the ashta siddhis and gyanam itself he speaks about drishti shruti is inspiration smriti intuition and vivek so what is knowledge it comes through drishti revelation it's a inner revelation then there is shruti inspiration and this smriti consisting of intuition and vivek so it uh, you know the whole thing goes so beautifully satya dharma trikal drishti trikal drishti can work in this way he says one is that directly the whole thing can come or sometimes you need a point of contact sometimes the mother and shurbindo would pick up a photograph and then by sometimes there also again there are two ways one is the moment you look at a photograph you come to know 
and the second you concentrate and you enter into the consciousness of the person and you know all about the past and present astasiddhi prakamya vyapti aishwarya effectiveness of the will acting on object or event without the aid of physical means in fact ultimately in this yoga there are only two things which are important faith and will whatever is the object on which our will and faith are stuck persistently that ultimately ends up manifesting in our life even if there are thousand difficulties doesn't matter by pressure or tapas of the chaitanya straight on the object that has to be affected then he speaks about ishita avashita the condition of par conditions of jnana samadhi then there is finally the sharir chatushtha so he doesn't want us to remain unhealthy in you know body which is sickly and tired but very high in the mind conceiving things giving lectures on vedanta with a pot belly he doesn't want us to do that he wants us to remain in perfect health because ultimately all manifestation is through the body shariram api khalu dharma sadhana it is the basis for the fulfillment of dharma and here dharma is not just doing some ritualistic acts everything all the various governments of life shobindu describes dharma dharma includes in its widest sense all the various offices and governance of life so you have yug dharma you have pati dharma patni dharma shatra dharma as a shikshak you have dharma as in the war field you have a dharma in front of the guru you have a dharma everything there is a dharma dharma is the way to do things in a way that they lead towards the upward evolution and not towards the downward gravitation so if we if there is a situation of conflict if you try to strive towards unity and harmony it is dharma sometimes yes if there is a conflict where a large section of mankind is going to be affected then yes you have to remove so these are the sharir chatushtha what are the force sharir chatushtha arogya arogya we all know absence of you know any kind of roga utthapana the ability to you know uh, rise up shubindu used to experience this not only in alipur jail subsequently also the defying of gravitational pull upon the body the body can become so light saundaryam shubindu's body we know how ab purani when he saw him uh, he was completely surprised yet otherwise shubindu had darkest complexion with pop you know uh, those uh, chicken pox marks you you can see his earlier photographs and then when he saw him he said and his hairs all as if you know they are all silky with nice as if oil has been put there was no oil but all internal and he asked sir what has happened to you so um, he avoided the question and asked purani and what has happened to you but purani describes even the complexion and the hue of his body had changed and with the mother till she is you know almost entering at ease he says that till the sadhana was in the vital and the physical aging was stopped you see her photographs you'll see it but the moment it descended into the subconscious where she started tackling with all the things of you know the sadhaks and the world problems that is when the effects of aging come up and the four is vivid ananda iti sharir chatushtham so there is also all the kinds of ananda and part of this is karma chatushtham which is krishna kali kamah karma brahma chatushtham yoga chatushtham so obviously this is something which is to be uh, read uh, in detail if somebody is interested but i said as i said uh, it is not for our practice that he wrote it it is for his practice that is what our practice is extremely simple shubindu all the time was trying to give make it easier and easier for man that was his purpose just imagine giving this practice to anybody and people will be completely lost <laughs> even to practice one element equanimity is itself a lifetime i mean yogis have declared samatya yoga uchchate that to passive equanimity not even the dynamic equanimity is something which you don't find anywhere mentioned as such so people have this question if i practice equanimity i'll become indifference they don't even know the difference between indifference and equanimity how will i act in the world so all this he has let you know raise to what level of perfection so we'll uh, now just uh,
close with one of the things which is there from the record. So record is, as I said, it is meant for Shurbindo. But still, since we are talking about records of yoga, we'll do it in two parts today. So the first record entry is 17th to 25 June 1909. It's on 17th June, Thursday. And something very interesting here. Started Amavasya for Bari, started for Bari, Barisal, but in bracket he writes Amavasya. And then he says, the Amavasya is Kali's day, so favorable to me. Something very, the very first record starts with Kali. And then he also writes, you know, in train to Khulna, small sun in center of brilliant Saropa. 28th March 1914, the day before the mother has come here, he writes, In Antara Darshi, the golden Kali, four-armed and weaponed, destroying the Asuras. A young man rushes at and throws his arms around her in filial love. He is spared and lifted up and carried away in her arms, no longer as a young man but as a boy. Symbolic of the process of conversion from the Asuro Rakshasic mind to the divine Balbhava by the embrace of Kali. The visitation of Kali seems to be intended to save him from his Asura environment now turned hostile to him as to Prahlad. And then he says, Was it in this way that the legends of the Puranas were formed? It is like the environment has turned hostile and there is the intervention. Then December 1926, it continues, he speaks about the fullness of the supramental energy now. 3rd January 27, he speaks about the supreme force descends, the difficulty is finished. So is yoga yet completed? That's how 1926 is called the Siddhi Day. And October 31st, 1927, which is the last entry. Today, Anishwara, Anishwara is actually inconscient. Ish Anish. He has lost all his Godhead. He has lost all his powers and he has become Anish. The same Ish who becomes Anish. The Anishwara has acquired the supramental and Gnostic character. Not that all movements have entirely eliminated the mental element, but all are supramental or supramentalized or else even Gnostic overmind, infallible is beginning more freely to emerge. Ishwara consciousness is growing both below and above and Ishwara is beginning. The supermind is increasing in the supramentalized movements and gnosis in the supramental movements. And people say, oh, Shubhidu spoke about supermind. Did he actually experience it? That's why mother had to correct that what happened on 29th February 1956 is supramental manifestation. And then she said, descent is an individual phenomena. Shubhidu was experiencing it several times. That's how he could speak about it. Ananda is taking possession and becomes automatic, needing only memory or a little attention to act at once. All vision, transmutation of senses, all vision, hearing, smell, taste, touch is now Anandamaya. Even all that is seen, heard, sensed is beginning to be felt as full of Ananda and even as if made of Ananda. So all that was regarded in traditional yoga as a snare, Senses have changed into their original work is for the flow of Ananda, manifold Ananda. Sahayatuka Ananda of all except event is now automatic. Ahayatuka Ananda within the body shows signs of reaching the same state but has not quite reached it. Even the body was being supramentalized, not just that some inner consciousness, mind. This is the only physical siddhi that promises to be soon initially complete for arogya is still hampered by obstinate minute fragments of illness. 
Then, after he had completed all this siddhi, right supramental action in the physical, then Shurabindu started calling some people around him. Before that, people were coming and going, but there was no formal like ashram. And the mother was in the forefront. It is then that he started that, okay, people can come because he knew that after that siddhi is complete, he can give that to others. And then the mother had come and joined and he gave the entire work to her and himself withdrew into a still deeper deep. And one would ask her, what are you going to do now? (laughs) He would say, I am going to renounce all this. What? Yes, I know now it is possible. So, what will you do now? Now I am going to make it come down and manifest in the entire creation and for all who are ready and called for it. Namaste.